today on Ag News Daily. But commodities as a whole really were under pressure today. I think you had a, a very much risk-off trade going on. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Monday, June 12th. My name is Delaney Howell, and I'm one of the hosts for the Ag News Daily podcast, along with my co-host, Mike Pearson. Howdy, Delaney. Are you uh, staying cool in this warm weather? Well, this morning I went golfing, and it wasn't actually too bad. It was There's a nice little breeze. It wasn't great for golfing, of course, but... No. And you know what? Over the weekend, of course, it got warm. It was very warm. I was oh baling gosh, hay. Was. You were kayaking. Yeah. And, but it, it was not, well, there was a 30, 35 mile an hour mm-hmm. southerly breeze that kept it feeling okay. Today, it's just soggy outside. Yeah, Everything is. is humid. There's stickiness in the air. My poor cows are just sitting out there just in their little mud hole. The wind wasn't good for kayaking, especially when we were going against the wind. (laughs) It was really hard. My my two friends I went with, my two girlfriends I went with, were laughing at me because I was like, guys, I swear I'm in shape, but this is really hard. Well, you kayak some more, you'll be in even better shape. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We need to get get your get your upper body strong so you can start throwing calves around again. I don't have a lot of upper body strength. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So, Delaney, we are a couple days removed from the World Pork Expo. We had a lot of fun. We met some fantastic people, enjoyed meeting with uh, some of our listeners. We give a big hearty hello to all of you. And, And now we're here in this new week. It's warm. Chances of rain. Boy, did you watch the commodity markets at all today? Oh, my gosh. It was awful. It was a bloodbath. Great news if you're a buyer. Terrible news for all of our producer friends, and we'll be talking with Ted Seifert to get a better handle on exactly what changed in the forecast to uh, see, boy, are we done. All that being said, Delaney, what else is in the world of uh, news today? Yikes. That's all I have to say. I have more bad news for commodity markets, specifically cotton. Um, and the USDA lowered its export projections for the 2017-18 year. Projections for production are still where they were anticipated, 19.20 million bales of production of cotton for the 2017-18 year. But exports are projected at 13.5 million bales, which is 500,000 bales less than estimated in previous months. And so a large portion of this is due to key countries such as India, Pakistan, and Mexico that are going to have reduced imports on cotton. Hmm. So they're scaling back purchases. You know, that's been a concern yes. for a little while yep. there in that uh, in that cotton market. And of course, cotton was down 56 cents on the day. Mm-hmm. Boof, right along with everything else except for rice, Delaney. The rice market uh, was somewhat resilient today. But uh, I I don't know that much about rice. I won't uh, venture to guess why that was. But I've got some other news. Farm credit. This is a, I suppose it's kind of a report from the obvious department. Uh, FCA, the Farm Credit Administration, released their quarterly report on economic developments affecting the farm economy. And surprise, surprise, some ag producers are facing a challenging operating environment. And they do not see that improving any time in the future, and uh, today just was kind of an exclamation point on that report, I'm afraid. Well, and I think this is better news. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is seeking nominations for the National Dairy Promotion and Research Board. Those are due July 10th, so Secretary Purdue will appoint 12 dairy producers 
and one importer to serve three-year terms beginning November and ending in October of 2020. Mmm, good lengthy term yeah. there. But uh, definitely, if you are a dairy producer or you know somebody who would be good at filling that role, get those applications in by when? Does it say, Delaney? July 10th. July 10th. Oh, you've got a month. Yeah, yeah you got three and weeks. So, yeah, so we'll post this article to our website, agnewsdaily.com, and that breaks down the regions for nominations. All right, and some news here for our Utah ranching friends. There is a report out. Ryan Zinke, the Interior Secretary, has been analyzing all of the National Monument designations since 1996. And he just reported to President Trump that the Bears Ears National Monument, one of the most recent, was created under the Antiquities Act uh, by President Obama could see some of the land removed from that monument. He says, quote, some objects are appropriate for protection under the act, pointing to uh, areas that are of historical and cultural significance to American Indian tribes, but there is a fair amount of the property that is not uh, worthy of consideration under that Antiquities Act, and it could be more appropriate, he says, to identify and separate those areas under a different uh, different thing, or maybe just pull them out of of the national monument altogether. So that's at least stage one of Ryan Zinke's forty five day report on national monuments. Comments for NAFTA and GYPSA are due today. Today is the final day for the public to comment on the two issues. And so far, four hundred and seventy two comments have been. Um, collected on NAFTA and more than a thousand on the GYPSA rule. Just as a reminder, the GYPSA rule is the Grain Inspection Packers and Stockyard Administration that will lower the burden of proof for livestock farmers who sue meatpacking companies. Yes, and while we were at the World Pork Expo, we talked to a lot of folks there in the uh, NPPC, National Pork Producers Council, and a lot of those pork producers are opposed to it because mm -hmm. of the, they're worried about it taking differentiation out of the market. Right. And in my conversation with cattle producers, there has been quite a bit of divided opinion. So if this is something you feel strongly about, today is the last today day the last to day. make those reports known. And can they just like Google Gypsa Delaney and leave reports somewhere? Where do we leave comments? You know, I'm not sure on that. Um, maybe I'll, I'll Google it and maybe let you guys know later. We'll let you know here, so stay tuned for the rest of the podcast and we'll give you directions on uh, on how to report it. So, other news, Delaney, guess what country we're looking to for our next piece of news? Brazil. We're looking to Brazil yet again. So, last week we reported how JNF Investimentos had settled with prosecutors in a leniency agreement. Basically, they'd agreed to pay $3.1 billion, and in exchange, there would be no additional prosecution of the Batista family. Well, there was one group of Brazilian prosecutors. These folks are involved in something called Operation Bullish, and they have spotted additional potential crimes involving the approval and disbursement of loans worth billions of reals from the bank BNDES, which is the State Development Bank, to the Batistas. Now, Josely Batista said they certainly did bribe officials at BNDES to get loans, and those prosecutors didn't sign on to the leniency deal. So there could be additional fines heading towards 
J and F, which would be towards the Batistas, who are the owners of JBS. You know, this whole thing has been a lot of names and a lot of facts to keep straight as we look at uh, what all's unfolding there in Brazil with JBS and JNF and uh, the Batista brothers. So we'll keep you apprised of what all's going on down in Brazil with our good friends, the Batistas. But Michelle Tamer has been acquitted, is that right? Of one charge. So oh, the okay. first charge, basically, of campaign funding irregularities, uh, that was thrown out. There is still a charge. The corruption charge is moving forward. That is expected to be heard by the Brazilian Supreme Court very shortly, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. But as for now, he is still in office. Hmm. Okay. In other international news, President Trump is traveling to Miami on Friday, where he is expected to announce his new policy for restrictions on travel and commerce dealing with Cuba. And it's anticipated that he's going to, again, limit trade and travel to back to the embargo. State. So we're going back to the embargo. If That's you, not positive. That's just a speculation. It's a speculation. Yeah. But if you need Cuban cigars or Cuban rum, <laughs> buy them now. I guess so. Before the border shuts, potentially. And that was on Friday he's going to Cuba this or Friday. Miami. Yes. Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. Those are Will Smith songs that started that way. Sure. There was. Well, you're too young. You were just a pup when Will Smith was big. I used to watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I could How? Sing you, I could sing you the entire song. How, Delaney? It was well off the but air by the time you were born. born and raised on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. I won't finish it. But. Finish it up. <laughs> you can't start the Fresh Prince without I ending can't it. Start it in the middle. You got to start from the okay. beginning and do it all the way through. All right. Well, we'll do that for a, a special edition. We'll get Delaney <laughs> karaoke and uh, go from there. I am out of news, Delaney. Do you have anything else before we talk to Ted? Mm, I'm gonna keep looking for that Gypsa and. Um, NAFTA comments. So far I went on the GYPSA website and I'm assuming that's where it is, but I'm still searching. Okay. So uh, imagine that the U.S. government made it somewhat difficult to yes. leave comments. But yes. once we get this maze bureaucratic nonsense sorted out, we will be sure to let you know and we'll post it on the website. Yeah. How to get on there and make comments. All that being said, should we take a look at the news? No, not the news, the <laughs> markets. Yes. Ugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize, but I got to read them. Let's start with corn. July corn closed down 10 and a half cents, finished the day at 377 and a quarter. December corn down the same, 10 and a half, finished at 395 and a half. In soybeans, not any better. July soybeans dropped 10 and a quarter cents to close at 931 and a quarter. November beans, 10 cents even down, finished the day at 938 and a quarter. In wheat, the Chicago wheat July contract dropped 11 and three quarter cents to finish at 434 even. December wheat dropped 10 and a half to close at 470 and three quarters. Now, looking over at livestock, June live cattle were limit down part of the day. They ended up a little bit better than that. They only dropped $2.90 to close at $128.35. August live cattle dropped $2.30 to finish the day at $121.55. In feeder cattle, you'd think with a $0.10 cent drop in corn, you'd see a nice bounce in feeders. No. Not the case. August feeders dropped $2.65. Excuse me. 
August feeders dropped 262.5 to close the day at 151.55. September feeders down 240 to finish at 151.22.5. In lean hogs, the bloodletting continued. July lean hogs dropped 2 bucks, closed at 80.70. The August contract dropped 2 and a nickel to finish at $80 even. Really, other than rice, the only bit of green on the screen today is in milk. June Class 3 milk closed up 3 cents, finishing at 16.31. Now let's take some time and get a handle on exactly why the wheels came off today with our good friend Ted Seifred from Zaner Egg Hatch. All right, folks. Well, we are back with our good friend Ted Seifred from Zaner Egg Hatch. Now, Ted... I'm really sorry to be calling you on a day like today. Boy, I just finished reading the markets, and there is very, very little to smile about in today's trade. What happened? Yeah, you're right. Very little to smile about. There's a lot of uh, sort of somber faces around today. Um, you know, weather, really weather. Uh, we added a, a fair amount of rain into the forecast uh, from what we were looking at on Friday to what we were looking at here on Monday. Uh, now, we did have some very warm temperatures over the weekend. Most areas had a pretty significant amount of wind, so that is a mm -hmm. good recipe to dry down very quickly. So I think we have put some stress on these crops here at this point. Uh, but looks like we've got a little bit of relief on the way, even for some of the areas in the Dakotas that have been maybe the driest areas. Mm -hmm. uh, so that relief is, is, is what we're doing. We're taking a little bit of the weather premium out of the market. However, um, I really wonder if we've done – enough damage at this point to say that the USDA's 170.7 or let's call it a 171 national average yield, I really think it's a long shot at this point, um, next to impossible almost. Uh, because if you look at the vegetative health index uh, year over year, we're, we're really not in a very good spot, not just in the Dakotas where they're showing up in, in moderate to severe drought in both states, the entirety really of the both of both states, uh, but, you know, on the, on the vegetative index, if you look at Iowa, you look at central Illinois, you look at Indiana, uh, there's some very big problem spots there that are, are, you know, your big major producers. And not saying that we can't come back and have a very good crop at this point, because we probably can. Um, but to hit those higher numbers, you know, the 171, that would tie our second best national average yield that we've ever seen. I just don't think we're there. Uh, I've been driving around uh, Illinois, Indiana. Uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, and then I'll be headed out to uh, Iowa later on this week. I, I really am not seeing very advanced crops. There's a lot of variability. There's certainly a lot of, especially in Illinois and Indiana, a lot of areas that had been flooded out and had to get replanted. And, you know, so I, it's just, it's going to be real tough to hit a 171 national average corn yield. Soybeans, I think the jury's still, still out. I mean, really, if we ended up with having some very good weather in July, August, September, could still have a, a rather good soybean crop at this point. But the corn crop, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be our best in the last few years. Now, you talk, You just mentioned something that I, I had an interest in. What do replants do for the markets? How do they affect them? Because I know uh, my parents were in Chicago last week, and Dad was texting me and saying, hey, is, is this replants going on in Illinois? They drove across on 80. Yeah. And I... You know, I was like, I don't know what, what what does that do to the corn and soybean markets when so many farmers are having to replant due to weather? Yeah, that's a great question, Delaney. And, and to some extent, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, there has been some correlation made in the past that, you know, the earlier that we get planted, the better yield potentials we have. 
But I think the very basic thing that we, we can look at is that if we're replanting corn in the month of June, we're very likely going with a much shorter day variety than what we originally were intending. And that right there is going to cap yield. So uh, that that's part of it. The other thing that I think we can take away from that is we're going to be going through pollination probably a bit later than what we were expecting, which means instead of going the first couple weeks of, of July, which are a lot of times some pretty reasonable temperatures, uh, we're going to be smack in the, in the mid, uh, mid to late July, maybe even early August, which things can really get warm and, and hot in that, at that point. So I think there's a bit more risk for pollination for this corn crop. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot of this corn crop really going through that, that risky time frame at the same time. Um, so we're going to, again, we really need to going to have to uh, have weather be really very good from here on out to hit some of these higher numbers and get anywhere near where the USDA is, is looking for. Personally, I think that, you know, if we, if we ended up with something in the mid one sixties, I, I think that'd be a pretty big win for this year, compared, yeah. you know, or given the start that we've had. Exactly. I mean, I know I've got a little bit of, Actually, quite a bit of backyarditis. I've been basically in East Central mm. Iowa for the better part of the last two weeks. I mean, we've been bone dry. I believe this has been the driest start to the month of June in history. And after this most recent mm-hmm. uh, warm spell, it has also been the hottest start to the month of June. And, uh, you know, things look tough. But, Ted, I want to turn the conversation a little bit over to the wheat market. We saw Chicago wheat just get yep. hammered today. Is this just funds mm-hmm. selling everything on a day like today on this weather? It was. There was a lot of fun selling everything on a day like today, and it was in the livestock market as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think so. You know, and, and the Chicago wheat contract is the darling of the funds of the wheat. You know, so if they're going to be selling, that's the one that they really like to sell. Um, so yeah, I, I, I certainly think you have that. But you know, we just saw winter wheat production increase slightly uh, on Friday's USDA report. I think that report that we had on Friday we would have gotten a little bit more of a negative reaction to that if we weren't worried about the hot temperatures for the weekend and we didn't have that weather kind of premium coming into the market on Friday. So this might have actually had something to do with that report a little bit too. Um, and, and overall, I mean, you look at the wheat balance sheet, it's, it's tough to get bullish wheat unless you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to really uh, hurt the spring wheat crop. And, and that's, that's kind of a different story. But as far as Chicago and Minneapolis, or Chicago and Kansas City wheat, it's quite difficult to get bullish there, mainly because when you look at the carryovers, both for domestic and uh, the global carryover, the percentage of carryover, I mean, we basically have half a wheat crop sitting yeah. in ending stocks right now. We, you look at corn, and we're about 11 12% of, of a crop. So, you know, we've got big ending stocks in corn and soybeans, but nowhere near the size compared to what the, the crop size is uh, for wheat. So it, it's, it's a bearish story. Anytime you get weakness going on in, in corn in particular, that I think spills over to uh, the wheat market, and you're going to have those funds selling. But commodities as a whole really were under pressure today. I think you had a, a very much risk-off trade going on, uh, and, and funds were, were big active sellers in lots and lots of markets today. Here's the question I've got for you, Ted. Was this, was Friday, was that our weather scare? Is the top in? See, I don't think so. Um, you know, it's funny to ask that uh, on, on that question here today because last year, today was the day where we started the massive slide and we, uh, you know, we, we had put our high in the previous Friday uh, for corn and soybeans and wheat, and, and then we set off onto uh, a, 
a pretty massive slide, almost 90 cents mm-hmm. uh, from here on out. I think the market makeup is quite a bit different than where we were last year. Last year, we put in a very significant amount of weather premium, mainly because we had weather forecasters out there calling prices, saying 550 mm-hmm. to 650 corn. Um, the market had gotten convinced that we were going to have that warm and dry growing season and that we were going to struggle. Uh, but when the rains really came and we kind of looked at each other and said, hey, this is the wettest drought we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, we took all that weather premium out in a hurry. Uh, we don't have that weather premium going into this time frame. We already have funds really quite short. Now, they had started to lighten up on that last week, but after today, that, that short position is probably getting pretty close to where it was, uh, you know, about a week ago, uh, which makes the funds about as short as they usually like to get, especially at this time of year. So, okay. um, different market makeup. I don't think we had any really, hardly any, weather premium in this market, so there's not that much to take away. Uh, This is a year where the market has been very reluctant to put that market premium in, so it might have to come back if uh, if we're looking at crop conditions still. uh, If corn crop conditions stay below 7% good excellent, I think we'll have to put that weather premium back in. I have a target at 421 for December corn, for new crop corn. I think we will see that. Uh, Again, as we were talking about earlier, I think enough damage has been done to this point that we should start shaving a little bit off of yield, um, even if it's not. we're not looking at dramatic decreases quite yet because we don't know what uh, the rest of June and July weather is going to look like. But if we put in a 166 national average yield, I think that gives us a carryover, depending on acreage, somewhere between 1.4 and 1.6 billion bushel. And to me, that 421 December corn seems very, uh, I think it's a, a very reasonable price target to the upside. What about cattle? It- Honestly, it seems like one day we're limit up, the next day we're limit down. Why has it been so volatile lately? Well, first of all, welcome to the cattle market, Delaney. No, I, <laughs> it's kind of, it's I guess kind of I just never paid goes. much uh, attention to it before doing the. I mean, I did, but not daily like I do right. now. Right, yeah. It's, um, you know, part of that's a function of, of it's a thinner market than, say, the grains are. So when we get directional moves, they, they happen quickly and then we can be all over the place but uh but yeah you know i I think the feature of the cattle market right now is that we've got sort of contrasting things going on and and that's where you get this sort of push and pull uh you've got strong cash markets you've got strong uh, box beef and what that's doing is that that's pushing marketing up as fast as we could possibly go so you've got lighter weights coming into market and and when that happens it kind of shrinks your overall supply uh, and that kind of perpetuates the hotter cash market and, to some extent, the, the better box beef prices. However, if you look at the cattle on feed numbers that we have and you look at the placement numbers in particular, we're really building the animal stocks back uh, to, to levels that we, that we haven't seen since two, uh, pre-2012. So we've got the animals. Um, the, the, the slippery road we have in front of us here is that if marketings were to slow down, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, cash prices begin to soften, uh, box beef prices begin to soften, but whatever it is, if marketings begin to slow or the push to market slows down, we're going to start gaining weight again. And we, we saw a little bit of that, and that was part of the reason uh, we slightly gained weight. Uh, we saw that today. Uh, it was part of the reason why we were down today. Um, but if we start gaining weights with the number of animals that we have out there, we can really start to build the supply side of this equation very quickly. Well, so Ted, you talk about us that, growing weights. Boy, I I look at my cows, and I know I'm not trying to, 
to fatten them up, but they are mm-hmm. not eating anything in 92 degrees and 70% yeah. humidity. We've, whatever we have, we've gained, yeah. we've got to be pulling that right back off, right? Well, I mean, yes. And so that was that was the talk on Friday that, you know, okay, yes, we're going to heat stress some crops, but we're also going to heat stress some cattle. Uh, and that is a problem for weights. But you look at the longer-term forecast, and, and part of the reason why grains broke today is, is another reason why cattle is under pressure. I mean, it looks like, at least for the moment, uh, we'll see if the forecast changes. I mean, it, it changes like it's blowing in the wind, for that for that matter. But right now we're looking at, at temperatures returning back to more normal. In fact, we've got some low 80s, upper 70s at the tail end of our 10-day forecast right now. Uh, and if we do get back to these 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 temperatures, we don't have this, you know, 92-degree the problem where we're we're trying to, you know, get cattle to eat, it's just not really working. Uh, normal temperatures will help those weights. All right. Now that's the thought there. Feeder cattle, we saw the index up a little bit, and yet feeders, you know, just like everything else, sold off heavily today. Where are the funds sitting yep. in the feeder cattle trade? Are they even still a little short or still a little long, I guess? I'm a little they short. Crazy I... long. Yeah, I think a little short now at this point after after today, but they had gotten pretty close to even. You know, that, that market had been a darling of the, of the funds on the long side for a while. Uh, but they seem to be losing a bit of interest. And now, after the big sweeping reversal down day that we had last Tuesday, it's under sort of a negative technical sell signal. We've been struggling to hold uh, key support. Now, we were able to do it late in the week last week and bounce off of it. Today, we came right back down to it. So we'll have to see how the rest of this week plays out. But you almost wonder if we're starting to put in a little bit of top here for cattle. Um, you, you feel like if we were going to break through those highs that we had uh, from the end of last month, now would have been the time to do it, or, or late last week might have been the time to do it. So if we can't do that sometime in the relatively near future, I think you just have the technical selling coming in, your funds flipping from a long position to maybe a short position and trying to push that down here. Um, again, if we can't get up and over it here sometime relatively soon. What about hogs, Ted? Let's let's uh, jump into that market did the are we yeah. seeing a lower price because the pork expo is over now and everybody's just so sad from that? <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. Yeah, no. that's what I was saying. No, the, um, <clears throat> no, you know, hogs, I think, are just a situation where we've kind of got to what I'm going to call pretty fair value in, as far as prices are concerned, maybe a little bit over. Um, at the moment, we, it looks like, you know, in the past couple of weeks, we've been a little bit sideways. Uh, this is an area of consolidation. And we needed to do that to sort of, um, you know, fix the overbought condition of the market and sort of get RSIs back to a more neutral area. Um, and we could take another leg higher here, but I think we need some things to help that out. It'd really be great to see, uh, you know, exports uh, come in really strong over the next couple of weeks. That might help if we were able to see that. Um, and we could still have more upside potential and your, your funds, your speculators, you know, could get interested in that chart if we can break out to the upside. But, you know, I do wonder if, if uh, box beef prices were to start coming down. You know, your comparative value, your, you know, I wonder if that takes a bit of a hit. Um, we'll see. I, I'm very curious to see which way hogs go from here. But I do understand why we're kind of just in a holding pattern at the moment. I like these values for hogs. It makes sense for me. I'm not sure we need to see prices much higher. In order to do that, though, again, exports and your speculative crowd, that would be the recipe to do that. All right, Ted, before we let you go, what do producers need to keep in mind as we head through the rest of this week? Well, you know, again, this is a weather market for grains, and to some extent it's a weather market for cattle as well. So keep an eye on that weather forecast. Um, I would say this, though. I, I think today's 
sharp, sharp lower action that we saw really across the board may have been overdone. So I want to see what export, or uh, I'm sorry, I want to see what uh, crop conditions look like here just a little bit. Um, I, I'd be surprised if, if crops really improved dramatically week over week. Uh, and I would not be surprised if either tomorrow or later in the week we get to say, hey, you know, the rain's in the forecast, that's great, but it might not be enough to really bring us back from where we are. Um, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see a pushback towards the upside here sometime relatively soon. Hey, Ted, well, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk markets with us today, even though it wasn't good news. <laughs> yeah, you know, it can't always be good news, but yeah. uh, thanks for having me on. I, I enjoy it, so pleasure's mine. Oh, well, Ted Seifert, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And, uh, of course, if you want more information from Ted, you can uh, Google up Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R, Zaner Ag Hedge. And uh, hopefully we can get some good news tomorrow. As Ted said, Delaney, maybe we'll get a rebound tomorrow. Maybe. Get a nice bounce. Yeah. Boy, what else do we have planned for tomorrow, Delaney? Tomorrow we're talking to some more Canadians, uh, the Westland Corporation out of Ontario. Is that where they're out of? Out of Ontario. Uh, Brock Lowry, who is the uh, co-founder of the Westland Corporation, will be talking to us. And he is a physical grain broker. So it's it's an interesting interesting look at, at people getting started. So Brock will be good. We'll talk to him tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, we're shaking it up a little. We're going to talk something completely new. We're talking to a farmer out of California who does almonds, apricots, lima beans, tomatoes. I don't even remember what else. He was talking so fast I was trying to write notes at the same time. So yeah, it'll be interesting just to get a different perspective. That'll be good. And you know in California, they're not almonds. Well, okay, so I asked, I asked him that. They also, they don't say apricots, they say apricots. Apricots. Apricots and, and almonds. Yeah, he said... Sometimes he says almonds, sometimes he says almonds. He said he'll probably transition back and forth between the two in the interview. And I said, that's great. I love it. Perfect. No, that'll be fantastic. And then uh, we've got the Red Power Roundup this week at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. So we'll be talking to some uh, international tractor enthusiasts, which is which is your family, right? You're red. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I'm mostly orange. Mm. But completely willing to be to be purchased by any other tractor brand. If you uh, make me a good <laughs> offer, I am for sale. Um, well, that'll be good, Delaney. So we've got a lot going on, a lot of interesting stuff. Our website is up. We encourage you all to check out agnewsdaily.com. As always, subscribe to us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Rate and review us. What am I forgetting? I think that sounds good, Mike. Should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.